Muppets Animation Celery! Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. And what about that shadowy place? Ah, that's me, I'm Matsy. <laughs> okay, you're the elephant graveyard and I am... Uh, the hyena cave? Yeah, that's I'm like a grave. You, you can be. Is it? You can be the the place where uh, Timon and Pumbaa were. Oh boy, <laughs> great! <laughs> and where the bugs are. Yeah, Micah. Hey. Okay, let's get on track here. Uh, this is Animation Celery. Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch, and then the following week we get back together, we discuss them, and we give them reviews. Um. So this time, we're gonna look at cartoons about cartoons. So it's oh. real meta, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, if you, if you know the show, what we do first is we talk about the week that was. What happened, Matsy? Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started my chemotherapy, but I won't go too much into that. Um, yeah. Let's see, what did I do other than get various needles? Um, I, I've been watching more of Bluey. I was, mm -hmm. at my, I was at my parents' place um, following the chemotherapy, and mm -hmm. um, I was telling them about this cool, cool show. Yeah. And so here's the thing. One of the medications I'm on, and again, I'm not going to go into detail here, but I will say this. One of the medications I'm on, apparently one of the side effects of it mm -hmm. is it causes hiccups. Right. Where I was hiccuping like every six to ten seconds for like an hour at a time. And my parents got the clever idea to try to distract me from it by putting something I would like on TV. Mm -hmm. And when I mentioned Bluey, it triggered something in them because they thought that they had seen Bluey on Disney Plus or the Disney Channel. Disney yeah. Channel, as my dad calls it. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, um, that's why I originally thought that Bluey was made by Disney, but it's not. Mm. So basically, I got to watch a bunch of Bluey and watched it with my parents, and they liked it quite a bit. They uh, they continued to watch it after I went to bed. Apparently, um, <laughs> yeah. Have you been Have you been watching it? Because you seem... I've watched a little Bluey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little did bit. You... Just a few you... episodes. Yeah, sir. <laughs> did you see the episode entitled "Grannies"? No. Oh man, I. This is the one. Like it's it's in season one and I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was watching as I turned as I was going through this episode. I want to tell you what happens in this episode. Oh, because because I want to hear you react. I mean, you know, OK, it'll, it'll well, you know what? It. what? I, I heard what happened in the first episode and I watched it and enjoyed it. So I'm sure it'll happen again. OK, so this episode's called Grannies. Oh, and... should we should we say that it's 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 a preschool cartoon about a yeah. dog family yeah it's about a dog family it's a little girl named bluey who is six and her little um sister bingo who is four and their parents oh. bandit and chili who are very accommodating in playing whatever games yes. the kids want to play <laughs> very indulgent yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so this episode is called grannies mm -hmm. and it starts with bingo flossing. Okay. And when I say flossing, I mean the dance, not the dental. Oh, hygiene. okay. 
<laughs> well, yeah, they, 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 they have some rhythm, those dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so then Bluey comes and invites Bingo to go play grannies with her. Um, and mm. Bingo is on board, although Bingo is disappointed to learn that grannies don't floss. Oh, so, <laughs> okay. So they go into the kitchen. Uh, Mum, Chili, is there. She's cleaning the oven. And uh, they come in and they've got towels over them and big, they're squinting with glasses on. And they go, oh, look at this store, Rita. Yes, is, I need to get my baked beans, Janet. And mm. so they, Bingo, <laughs> well, Mum is like flustered but trying to play along. Bingo stuffs some cans of beans under her shawl like she's shoplifting them. Okay. And, but when this, the ruse is revealed, Bingo starts flossing again. And Bluey, Bluey's like, "Ah, I told you grannies don't floss. Mom, do grannies floss? And mom's like, I I don't know. Ask your dad. Yeah. And so, oh, great idea. And so they go to find Bandit, dad, and he's in the bathroom fixing the toilet. Mm. And... Now, I don't know whether they just are playing that the toilet is the TV or if they're playing that their eyesight is so bad that they can't tell. But mm. the two kids come in and they're like, oh, change the channel, Rita. And they, they're like flushing the toilet. And the, well, dad's got a mm. plunger in it and all this stuff. And then, you know, dad eventually tells him, hey, stop it, stop it. And then Bingo whips off her shawl and starts flossing again. Mm. And Bluey's like, stop it, dad. Do grannies floss? And dad's like, mm. I, I don't know. Ask your Nana. Mm. And the kids are like, oh, great idea. Yeah. And so they go to their tablet and place a video call to their grandma and their grandma. Mm. And they're, you know, obviously it's like, grandma, do you floss? Like, oh, sure. I floss every night. Like, no, 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 no. The, the dance like this. And so they demonstrate the dance and they're trying and the, the two grandparents try to floss, but they can't figure it out. They can't get the, the coordination <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. And so Bluey's like, hooray, I was right. Grannies don't floss, see? But now Bingo's disappointed. And Bingo goes yeah. off and sulks because she wants to play, but she also wants to floss. Hmm. And, and Bluey's like, well, this isn't fair. And she goes to seek counsel from her parents. She's like, hey, I was right. And now Bingo won't play with me. That's not fair. And... Mm. Mum says, well, you have to ask yourself something. Do you want to be right or do you want to play with bingo? Because you can't have both. Mm. And so then Bluey goes off and thinks about this for a bit, but she's stuck. She's like, I, I want to play with bingo, but I'm right. I can't help that. <laughs> oh, but wait, maybe yeah. there is a way to help this. She okay. gets back on the tablet. Yes, yes. <laughs> And she teaches her grandparents how to floss. Now, this takes place, as far as I can tell, in modern day. So uh, I'm just trying the, to... The I'm, I'm trying to crunch the numbers. Yeah, I'm trying to crunch the numbers. I think maybe these grandparents would floss. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they're just a little too old. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um... So, yeah, Bluey brings the tablet back to Bingo. It's like, look, I was wrong. Grannies do floss. Hooray. Mm -hmm. And so they go into the backyard and get into their toy car and play, 
you know, bad eyesight oblivious drivers for a while until they crash into the sandbox and then they both jump out and start flossing. Hey. So these, these dogs are pretty good dancers for having bodies like a uh, soda can, basically. Well, during the credits, there's usually an animation loop of some dancing. And in this one, there's yeah. an animation loop of Nana flossing. Yes. And I did notice that the um, the arm asset kind of went the wrong way a couple of times during the loop. So, ah, I see. Yeah, hmm. the animators did this, yeah. But anyway, I was just amazed. Like, this is what yeah. we're doing now. This is what we're doing in 2020, 2018. Hmm. Stories about like, flossing. Yeah, I guess it's going to date it real quick. <laughs> maybe. Um, well, unless Fortnite stays a big deal, which it shows right. no real signs of slowing down. Right. Um, yeah, I checked the show out a little bit. I, I like it. Um, one of the things I like is that they... Uh, uh, the family, when they're playing make-believe, that you don't get to see it like the imagined thing happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see it like a camera would just look at this family playing make-believe. I like that, actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, that's good. And they understand, right? The kids aren't, like, uh, naive, like, oh, this is really real. No, no, they don't, They know it's goofy. Yeah. But, uh, and also, like hmm? you're seeing the extent, the extent to which uh, mom and dad help you know, uh, play along with their games. And the one where they uh, won't let the balloon touch the ground. Yeah, keepy-uppy. Keepy-uppy, yes. Um, so, yeah, they, the uh, the kids rig the game because they're not hitting, up, hit up, hitting it up very high. And uh, Dad puts impediments <laughs> in, like, you know, he, yeah. he slams up, oh, it's a scorcher today, and he turns on the fan so it blows the yeah, uh, balloon. Yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, uh, through all this, the balloon ends up going to the neighbor's yard, and they call out, and their neighbor, another dog, runs, and he's immediately part of the game, but then his father comes out, and he's totally invested in the make-believe, too. Yeah. can't remember what the joke is, but he spills his drink on himself, and yeah, mm -hmm. anyway, it, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's it's real nice, but I I don't think it's cloying either, though. I think no, we don't. Yeah, you can enjoy this without turning on your awe. It's such a simple, brilliant idea. It's just kids yeah. playing with their parents. Yeah, that's the pitch for the show, and it works so beautifully. Um, mm -hmm. There was another one that I liked where. <laughs> so the 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 format of the show is that it has a little intro sequence um, where mm -hmm. they kind of set up what the game is going to be, and then there's a title screen where and I realized it's because it's for kids who can't read. Um, someone says this episode of Bluey is called blah, whatever the title okay. is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this one is called they it's Chili and bandit mom and dad. And they're just, you know, lounging on the couch talking. And then the kids come up and they want to play a game. And they're like, Oh, what are you going to play? And the kids go tickle crabs and immediately chili sits bolt upright and goes gotta go and runs away yeah and then it goes to the titles like this episode of bluey is called tickle and then ben is like well no no we're not playing tickle crabs <laughs> so he, yeah he, i just love that they they eventually do and um mm -hmm. the point of it is that you know the whole time bandit is lamenting is oh if only my true love were here to save me from these tickle crabs hmm 
And then eventually Chili shows up as a seagull to get rid of the tickle crabs. But uh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, what it's a, a good looking show, too. Yeah, it's a good looking show. And like the even though there's not many characters, the world feels really lived in, like their house has all kinds of details in it. And then sometimes there's an establishing shot where you get to see the hill they live on. And there's like mm-hmm. lots of buildings and hot air balloons and stuff. I saw a YouTube video where somebody had built the Bluey house to rent out as an Airbnb. Cute. But yeah, but there are actually a lot of other dogs in the uh, in the stories. There's there was an episode where there's this one dog named Jack, who's a Jack Mm -hmm. Russell Terrier. Um, And it's never explicitly. He says, like, I'm not I don't I'm not good at sitting still and remembering things and and things Mm. like that. And you look at him and you're like, oh, this is clearly a kid with ADHD. They just never explicitly say it. Right. Um, And then. It's it's actually kind of disturbing that he he ends up finding his place by playing with a uh, kid whose dad is in the army and likes to play army. So he's got the military. Uh, hmm. Um, what's the word? Discipline going for. I see. That's I see. what you know, I was like. Hmm. OK. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Bluey continues to be pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. I think watch it in short spurts, because if you wa- if you binge it too long, then it starts to. You, sure. you kind of realize you've seen it, but um, if you watch it in short spurts here and there, it's quality programming. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, as I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then just for the sake of having something else to talk about, I decided that I was going to try watching one of the Ralph Bakshi movies I hadn't watched, mm-hmm. uh, namely Coonskin. Okay. Um, based on what I've read online, Coonskin is like. Ralph Bakshi doing the uh, Song of the South Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, Br'er Fox thing. Okay. Except as like, well, they're they're a, a rabbit, bear, and fox, but they're clearly being black people in in New York. Well, they start in the South and then they go to New York. But, um, mm-hmm. who boy. Um, let's see. Okay. My eyebrows raised immediately when I saw that it starred Barry White. Oh. Yeah. Um, now, I don't have the perspective to know how big a star Barry White was in 1974. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I know him as like, oh, wow, Barry White. How did he get in this? He's um, the me of R&B. Yeah, he's uh, Brother Bear. Yeah. Um, and there's also Scatman Crothers in there, too. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, boy, this movie's boring. <laughs> um, yeah. nothing happens. And it's, it's just, this is the point where all the back just kind of, kind of f- faded through and made me like, man, I don't mm. want to watch this. They, they, they frequently go to this Miss America, which is, you know, it's a, it's a metaphor for black people in America, like black people trying to, you know, be treated nicely by Miss America. But Miss I America see. is this, it's this Bakshi woman, you know, she's blonde. She's got this um, gigantic breasts with a blue top with white stars <laughs> on the nipples and the nipples poking out because Ralph Bakshi can't draw breasts without nipples poking out of the clothing. Um, mm. Her like engorged abdomen, like, you know, like her belly sure. swollen out to the point that you can practically see her uterus through her clothes. 
Like just mm. every Bakshi woman. It's okay. a mix. It's a mix of live action and animation as well. And the problem with that is that when you have actual black people mm. directly transposed with mm. the way that Ralph Bakshi is drawing black people. Sure. The character designs aren't as charming when mm. it's clearly it's not even a racist caricature. It's just like they look like these weird mosquitoes or something. <laughs> like I think it, you're talking about some of that anatomy. Like I think he doesn't really understand the difference between the pelvis and the hip. So he's equating he's equating the width of a hip to the pelvis. Kind of. I'm also thinking of yeah. their faces because their heads, like sure. the way that their heads will work is like there'll be a slender neck that goes up mm -hmm. and then the head will be like a, I don't know, Daffy Duck or Go-Go Dodo, you know, sure. like a, a banana sitting on top of the neck with okay. these big lips at one end and then the other end is, you know, whatever passes for hair for this particular character. <laughs> Just... All right. Oh man, it it's so uncomfortable. Like I just couldn't get into it. I Well, yeah, and in spite of all that, you were bored. Cuz it's so slow. Like Ralph Bakshi yeah. movies are always so slow. And this one Sure. Like here. Okay, it starts off with uh this preacher man and Barry White, and they're going to go break a guy out of jail. And the guy mm -hmm. at the jail, you know, he and this old man who I think is Scatman Crothers. Um mm -hmm are breaking out of the jail. And while they're waiting for the car to arrive, pops tells the other guy, this story of, uh, starts telling him the story of Br'er, brother Fox, brother rabbit, brother bear. What I just said there okay. was 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, and it gets into, I don't know, they get to Harlem and they go to some black supremacist, rally thing where they're getting money to buy guns to kill white folks and black mm. Jesus and and like you know it's fine like that's I I have no problem with telling that story yeah but boy it's just this is it took forever and nothing happened and the artwork was so off-putting and also hmm. because it's all live action backgrounds with a little bit of animation dabbed on top you can just tell that there's no money at all for this movie yeah, so okay. I just couldn't. I, I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I think maybe I've seen all the Ralph Bakshi I actually need to see, hmm. which is like heavy traffic and Fritz the cat. Right. Anyway, other than the uh, medications, that was my week. What about yours? Oh, a windfall of things. Um, ah. Okay. So on Friday we had the, uh, the first part of the third part of the final season of Attack on Titan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so if you follow the podcast, I've brought this up a couple times. They baited and switched us by having the final season, but the final season has had three parts, and this third part has two parts. But hmm. I kind of expected it to be maybe six episodes, and then six episodes released later in the year. It was actually hmm. just an hour, just a flat hour. Um, so basically what they've made, I guess, is a movie, a theatrical length, uh, attack on Titan movie finale divided into two. Hmm. Um, in some respects, I looked at it and thought, well, cause at first I was thinking like, wow, this episode's going a long time. And then I realized like, 
is this first one long? Because this is way more than 20, uh, 23 minutes, right? And then um, uh, once I realized that, yeah, this is, this, is, this is it, this is the hour that I'm getting, I thought, well, this doesn't really elevate beyond what the series is. But then I thought that's kind of greedy because it's still great. Um, they do give us a, uh, they're, they're sparing the action. I'm, I'm sure the second half will just be loaded, but they did give us, uh, an incredible aerial maneuver scene. Um, and, uh, a boy, this is a spoiler. No, it's not a spoiler. They, they gave a meaningful death in there, a big okay. one. Okay. So, um, yeah, when when Raven experienced it, she <laughs> declared, "I'm out. There's nothing more in this thing. I don't want. I don't want to watch." There, there was one prior in this final season, in the first part of this final season, um, where like a comic relief character died, and it really <laughs> set people off. It made people so upset. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of fun watching the memes where people, whenever there's a, um, uh, w whenever. It's, it, Attack on Titan is going to renew. They say, I can't wait for the return of blank blank. Right. <laughs> and yeah, to really trigger yeah. everybody about it. But um, um, let's see also about it though. Uh, so the climax of this is apocalyptic. Um, there is a class of Titan called Colossal, and it's the skinless one that's in all the promotions, all the covers, you know. You, you know the okay. one. I think um, so. yeah, and they average sixty meters tall, so right. it's about it's about two hundred feet if you're avoir de puy. Um, so we get a look at some colossal titan feet in this. And, uh, <laughs> they're not like the feet we've seen before on colossal titan. It's um, they're real stubby. At first, I thought they had no toes, but if you look closely, the toes are just like real short and practically vertical. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically they got stumps. <laughs> um, so I, I decided I, I took the risk of uh, spoilers and looked up like, what is the deal with the Colossal Titan's feet? And there's no consensus. Everybody's got their own theories about what's going on here. Some people think that they're because of their mass, their feet are necessarily like elephant feet. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, my intuition was also because of their mass. At first, I thought that they just crushed their own toes just by moving. But, <laughs> eh, at any rate, they got weird darn feet, and it's exacerbated because their uh, footprints are all over the place when they march by, so they got these stubby little feet prints. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, good stuff. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, even though, um, speaking of upset fans, the, the, the manga's been done, like, long ago, and people hate the ending. When oh. I say they're wimps, it's because it's because one of the characters betrays their expectations. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they think, like, oh, they're, they're heartbroken, I guess. Anyway, anyway, so the, mm -hmm. there was that. Um, also, I don't know you didn't take to it, but uh, a Gretzko Season 5 came out. Oh, I've, um, I've been seeing trailers for that, yes. Yeah, and... The various seasons um, vary in the amount that I like them. But overall, I really do like it. But even so, having gone now into its fifth season, every time one starts, I think, 
this is really going to have lost its steam at this point. Um, and no, they just keep finding ways to keep it interesting. Hmm. There's sort of a, a, what is it called? A deuter protagonist um, when you have two. So they, they sort of have divided the, uh, the, the role between Retsko and Haida. Haida's the, uh, the hyena guy. Um, okay. Anyway, st still lots of interesting stuff. I haven't watched it all yet, but um, it does, in every season introduces, introduces some new characters, and this one introduces a very fetching purple skunkette. So, you know, maybe more on that later when we start reviewing some cartoons, but... Maybe. Uh, -huh. <laughs> uh Let's see. What else is going on here? Um, I watched an episode of something called Kimi no Todoke. Um, on on the, uh, the spark of Raven really liking the thumbnail for it, it was really cute. It's, 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 it's another high school romance kind of thing, but... It's more interesting than it first looks, at least through one episode. The yeah. the main character, yeah, the, the main character is a girl who people shun because she's so much like a uh, horror movie girl, you know, like in <laughs> uh, Ringu or Grudge, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. um, she's she's got long straight black hair, right? She's kind of spooky. All right. Um. Uh. The boy. She. She doesn't really express that she's romantically interested in him, but rather that she admires that he's so outgoing. And so it is kind of interesting that she makes an effort to be more involved. And um, so when she, when she pushes herself into these situations, it turns out that even like characters you think might just be like the mean girls in class, they really aren't so mean, you know? Um, so... I guess there's like a nice message there that she uh, participates and it kind of works for her. And further, that guy and her are just so sincere that it's kind of nice, right? Like she, she's discussing him with her only friend who's in a different different class. Um, mm. And he, she asks what she thinks of her and she says, well, uh, thinks of him. And he says, she says that, uh, oh, he's, he's just really refreshing to be around. And he overhears from the window and he says, oh, you're talking about me? And he comes out and, you know, they, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, because my nature, I guess, is to be duplicitous. <laughs> I find it kind of, kind of nice to see characters that are this way, you know, they're very honest with themselves and each other. Um, anyway, it's, it's one episode. A lot of these shows kind of, uh, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean just anime, I mean shows in general, um, come out real hard because they, have to establish a premise and then you know hit the brakes because it's 12 more episodes but right we'll see where that goes um all right so one more thing um i gotta give our listeners their oz uh fix yeah so i read rinky tink in oz and this is a very different book it honestly the the beginning of the story feels more like the lord of the rings you know like they're <laughs> It's detailing a lot of stuff like the Isle of Pingaree was a small kingdom that prospered by way of its pearl trade. To the north of it, in the purple Nonestic Sea, were the two warlike islands of Regos and Korragos. So All right. it's a little yeah. different. Um, so in the storyline, yes, it takes, it takes place in the Isle of Pingaree. Um, and 
the their their prime mainland trade partner, Gilgad, its king just shows up one day. He's shirking his responsibilities. He just like sequestered himself, but he actually snuck away while nobody was looking so that he could have an extended vacation. And that is Rinky Tink. He's, um, uh, let's see. Rinky Tink is really jolly. So he's always laughing. And when he's not laughing, he's always eating. And when he's not eating, he's always singing. Right. Um, he keeps a talking goat named Bill Bill uh, because he is too lazy to walk around himself. But also, he declares too fat to mount a horse. Yeah. So, but also, you get a goat. Yes, yes. Um, but also, this is uh, like this is way outside of Oz. This is past the Deadly Desert and past the Gnome Kingdom and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's not part of our world, but it's still not Oz. So, a uh, a talking goat is really strange to everybody there. Um. Okay. Anyway. Um, the, those, those islands I mentioned earlier with the, uh, the, uh, militant people, they show up, they make a surprise attack and they overwhelm the kingdom. But Rinky Tink is, he falls down a well, so he isn't enslaved. And Inga had fallen asleep on his, uh, on his treetop study. So he misses the invasion. Um, now... Inga's kind of a cool character because he's he's very studious and very serious and noble. You know, like a lot of a lot of these Oz boys are kind of mischievous a little bit. Um anyway, he recovers the magic pearls of his kingdom. Like they, they, they repelled this invasion long ago by way of these magic pearls gifted to the king uh from some mermaids. One of them makes you super strong. One of them makes you invincible, you know, impervious to damage. Um, and the other one can speak and give wise counsel. So one of them, one of them makes portals and one of them turns you into slime. Uh, <laughs> Kid Cosmic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going like Ion Stones or something. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, he, you know, his father... The surprise attack was so sudden his father couldn't get him. The, the boy gets them. And so the three of them go on this like uh, Greek epic kind of journey where they go to these islands and fight. Um, like I said, this is not a typical Oz book. And there's a reason for that because it was written in 1906. And huh. the uh, it was never published. The manuscript was has been lost. But um, basically there was an appetite for more Oz books. So Baum did his thing of taking his old source material and just cramming Dorothy and Ozma in there somewhere. <laughs> so, let's yeah. The... Cross out, let's just cross out China and write in Oz. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah there's, it, it becomes a chase, you know, where they Inga goes to the islands and wrecks shop, but the, uh, the monarchs there take his parents and flee to the gnome kingdom to uh, have the gnomes uh, hold them because the gnomes are magical and they figure, you know, they'll never find, he'll never find his parents here. And while they're, while we have them hostage, he won't dare act against us. Right. Yeah. Um, so at least the climax gets against the gnome kingdom. And the theory is 
that people have is that this is actually from Ozma of Oz. What Dorothy and Billine and everybody does against the Gnome King is is was repurposed from this book. But in this case, in this case, um, they go through some heroics there. Uh, the, the, the gnome, the current gnome king, tries to you know put them through a gauntlet of traps and monsters, and they survive them. Um, but even afterwards, they figure like, well, okay, so you survived my uh, my tricks. You'll still never find your parents. Um, and that's when everything goes to the old familiar uh, Deus Ex Machina, where it turns out Dorothy read about this stuff in Glend about. Inga's journey and uh, Glinda's book and then watched it in uh, Ozma's portrait and then asked permission, I'm going to go over there and, and rescue them all. Um, <laughs> now, I'm glad it wasn't spells, even though the wizard went with her, that it was her threatening the gnomes with eggs that made the turning point. But then it would just turned into like, okay, everybody's rescued. And for some reason, they don't go back home. Instead, we all go to the Emerald City for a banquet, which is the ending of like all these damn books. Um <laughs> Now, I almost think that there's a template for the ending of every Oz book after Road, uh, from Road to Oz onward. That's the banquet okay. at the Emerald City, and that the typesetter would just push the letters over so that he could put more characters in. You know, and Jack <laughs> Pumpkinhead was there, and the Hungry Tiger was there, and yeah. Um, now, interestingly, um, somebody has taken. Like, like I said, the, the original manuscript doesn't exist, but they have reconstructed what they think the original book should have been and published it in 2017 called King Rinky Tink. Hmm. So, kind of funky. All right. Anyway, this one was a real good book um, and then had a real crap ending. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, hooray. Anyway, um, yeah, that's enough. That's enough Oz. I think we should get to the, uh, the the cartoons. I think I mentioned something about a sexy purple skunk. Yeah, um, which we'll do by way of Tiny Toon Adventures Animaniacs. Oh, hmm. yeah. So Wait, those are two different cartoons, Matsy. Well, you'd think that. Uh-huh. But uh, maybe not as much as you think. But actually, no. Um, so this is actually Tiny Toon Adventures. Mm-hmm. But the episode is called Animaniacs. Oh. I guess this is, I guess this is from before Animaniacs was its own show. Mm -hmm. maybe, the, maybe this is where they got the idea. Who knows? Maybe I somebody think so. came up the with the title and went, hey. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what is it? Let's go into it now. It starts with <gasps> Plucky the Duck arriving at mm. school. He's late for school because he slept in. And it's finals day. Now, he has finals in Intro to Animation, which mm. he has never attended a single class of. But he just figures it'll just be watching cartoons, so whatever. Mm. Oh, but no. Turns out Intro to Animation involves making cartoons, not watching cartoons. And in order to get a passing grade, you have to make your own cartoon for tonight's big animation festival. Mm. <laughs> now... Plucky's pretty sure he knows how cartoons work, but his knowledge seems dubious. So hmm. Buster w breaks out the magic pen, which is to be used in case of cartoon ignorance, you understand. Mm. Hmm. All right. Uh, it's a fountain pen, which Buster sucks Plucky into, so he can get first 
get to see firsthand the demonstrative cartoon Buster Draws. It starts with the writers, mm. uh, who they think about the stories and jokes and the comedy beats, which are depicted here as beetroots, and get used to that gag. The sequence being animated here that they the writers have figured out is Farmer Plucky, who pulls up some beats like Super Mario and Super Mario Brothers 2 and have them all fall down on his head, finalized by a big one. Mm. And then he steps on a hoe and wallops himself in the face. Mm-hmm. Then, then we get to see how this basic story is turned into a storyboard here, demonstrated by Go Go the Dodo, a.k.a. Just Frank Welker. Mm. Then the layout artist, Hampton, fleshes out the action and the poses. And this is actually pretty informative stuff in its own way. Yeah. You know, if you, if you don't know how cartoons are made, like this is like pretty mm-hmm. deep. And then we get a background artist, the sexy purple skunk named Fifi. Oh, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, she draws a background, but it's just black and white. But then mm-hmm. Calamity Coyote and the Roadrunner, whose name I don't remember. Little Beeper. Uh, Little Beeper. Thank you. Hmm. Is that true? At what might be L-I-L apostrophe Beeper. But I'm thinking that's because there's also a mouse named Little Sneezer. Huh. I think so. I think he's Little Beeper. May have to investigate this. I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter because the point is they just slather some paint on the thing. Now, meanwhile, the script is being recorded by voice artists like Babs Bunny, who is just Tress McNeil. And then we get another instance of Plucky getting nailed by a comedy beat or comedy beat. And then Dizzy Mm. Devil gets to be the animator and animates this thing. And it now occurs to me that Dizzy might be the first instance of heterochromatic eyes in a cartoon. Oh, surely not. You don't think so? Um, Well, Root Dog. Oh. At least him. Yeah, right. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, this little animation is called a pencil test, and this is so Plucky can show us a room full of anthropomorphized pencils taking a test in an hilarious joke. (laughs) He calls it a he calls it a comedy beat and a beat hits him on the head again because we're not seared, not tired of seeing it after five times in five minutes. It's the rule of fives. Yeah. And then the pencils get traced onto cells and painted. This is what we in the business called animation celery. For those of you who didn't get the title. And I'm just now realizing how close that is to comedy beats. And I'm feeling ashamed. (laughs) All right. So then the cells get photographed over their appropriate backgrounds. And the whole thing gets edited together. Complete with sound effects and the audience's approval. Mm. Well, so now Plucky knows what he's supposed to do. But he only has two segments of a 22 minute cartoon left to make his own cartoon. Oh, no. (laughs) Segment two starts with the faculty at Acme University discussing the animation festival. And by virtue of being the slowest to run away, Bugs, Daffy, and Porky end up as the judges. Meanwhile, Plucky is frustrated. He wants to show what it was like when he was a kid, so he needs to learn what a flashback is. First, we learn about transitions, namely wipes and fade-ins and fade-outs, and then the old wriggly flashback fade. We get to see Mm. baby Plucky with his first inner tube, who gets distracted by a dragonfly, gets his tube punctured, and results in him zooming around on a, you know, blown balloon and ending in tears. So they flash back to somewhere less heartbreaking. World War II. 
then they escape by flashing back to the opening of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now, Plucky's plan is to flash back to the beginning of time and film that for an award-winning cartoon, and Buster bails on that idea. Then he realizes that he never taught Plucky how to flash forward, so he grabs the magic pen and heads to the library, where he can suck Plucky out of a prehistoric life book where he is an amoeba. Well, Hmm. Plucky's relatively safe, but he still needs a film for the festival, which is getting closer and closer. You know what's kind of funny? Ooh, what? (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, baby Plucky when he's crying. Yeah. Earlier, earlier Babs was doing a Plucky Duck voice, and she does the baby Plucky. So that's kind of funny that oh, ties together. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Where are we? Uh, segment three. This is the yeah. the uh, festival itself. Though Plucky is still working on his film. So Elmira has a cartoon poem about strangling animals to death. Hmm. Hampton has a film about his worst nightmare, which is literally just him sleeping and squealing while we don't get to see the dream itself. And that is kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Dizzy made a crude film of him eating the world. Mm -hmm. Really reminded me of something that Strong Bad would, or Strong Mad would make in Homestar Runner. (laughs) Yeah. My whole self. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Montana Max who is the rich kid uh, Yosemite Sam analog. He He's also a Mr. Burns analog because he's farmed out his film. It's mm. called A Montana Max Christmas. It involves Buster and Babs starving and freezing in a hovel until Monty shows up to crush them with a sack of money and pummel them graphically with a sledgehammer mm. until, thankfully, the film is ripped off the, can- the camera rather, and Monty is kicked out. Next is Gogo's film, and this is one, two, yeah, the third time in my write-up that I've put in a semicolon instead of an L in the word film. Uh, Now, they expect it to be wacky, but it's actually just an old black-and-white live-action film of dance lessons, because he doesn't Mm. want to be pigeonholed into his one genre. It's actually pretty wacky, though. It is, actually, yes. Um, It's like... It's like trying to be serious, but it wraps around so that it's wackier than an actual wacky film would have been. Mm. Yeah. Uh, There's only two films left, which is good. But one of them is surely The Loons, which is over 17 hours long. And this means that Plucky needs to cut his film down. When he finally gets to show it, it's just baby Plucky crying. But because it's the shortest one, the judges declare it the winner. And his prize is that he gets to retake the course because he skipped it comedy beats and for those of you who are wondering about the gag hidden in the credits class Mm -hmm. couple was dugman and victoria Hmm. all right all right um you know this is one of my most enduring memories of learning how cartoons were made oh that's good this episode yeah um i mean the the first third of it is really what you need to see for that. The rest of it is just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, trying to do what they can to fill out the rest of the story. But that first segment is actually really informative in how cartoons actually get made. I think I would have liked had they trimmed this middle segment because I like I like showing them making cartoons and then I like seeing the result of the cartoons that the characters would have made. Yeah. So the middle's that kind middle- of the chaff. I agree. It's just like, yeah. oh, here's how the flashbacks work. Like there's like it is the yeah. smallest it is the smallest paragraph in my write up. Um, yeah. 
because it really is just there to have a second act. Um, but you could have done something. You could have had different kinds of animation, you know, stop mm-hmm. motion or. Uh... <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you remember the the um, Valentine's episode of of Tiny Toons? Not immediately. Tell me what uh, the point is. Oh, well, you're talking about different mediums in there. Yeah. Uh, Elmer Fudd is Cupid in it. And he's accidentally, oh, he, he, he's lent his bow and arrow to Condor, Conrad Condor, who is okay. incompetent. So he, right. he's paired up all the wrong people with those love arrows. Okay. And when uh, Elmer is showing this to other people, he has a Viewmaster. And when you look at the Viewmaster, oh. it's, it's clay figurines of all the characters. I don't know why they went, yeah, why they went so hard on this random bit, but it was pretty cool. Well, that's what, that's what those Viewmaster slides were. No, not necessarily. I had one. A lot of them. I had one, it was the Muppet movie, but yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, it was not uncommon because the whole point was a 3D effect. And so it had to be 3D. Oh yeah, I guess. I guess so. But yeah, Hmm. that's, I remember that now. Yes. Um, no, they could have done something like that. They could have done more with it. But, you know, like the first part of it is pretty informative how to make cartoons. And the last part yeah. of it is pretty entertaining. Here's all the characters cartoons. Um, and then the middle part is there because they needed another 11 minutes. Hmm. Um, let's see. What do you say about it? Uh, animation, not as bad as some Tiny Toons is. Um, it's mm-hmm. not good, but it's not like the absolute worst. Um, yeah. I, I've never, I've never really liked Tiny Toons just motion for the sake of motion. Oh, um, but it, oh, it's, it, it's a uh, really varied result. I mean, they have yeah. TMS, the same guys that make Rescue Rangers look so good, but only yeah. for a handful of episodes. Yeah. And then they have uh, that one. We always just call it the Swedish House of Animation, but they have a different name, I think. Uh, where this, all this the characters, mm, you know, the one, the, the characters always purse their lips. They always compulsively kick for whatever reason. Their ears yeah. look stubby. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 yeah but, so this is in the middle. This one you know, is animated by Acom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so agreed in the middle. Yeah. And, and, uh, for figures that involved this, uh, Paul Dini wrote it, co-wrote it at least. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Bruce Tim co-storyboarded. So, you know, Bruce Tim of uh, Batman, the animated series fame. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> this those... this was what he was glad to leave behind. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, this is what animation is supposed to be. You see, now I'm out yeah. to do this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to learn about animation. Hey, the first uh, the first 10 minutes of this is pretty decent. Mm. Um, And you can watch the rest if you want to. Um, but what else has 10 minutes of animation in it? Uh, probably huh. most Red and Stimpy episodes. Usually. Um, uh, uh, by contrast, though, I don't know if you'll learn that much about animation, except that it's grueling. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy's cartoon show, directed by Bob Camp and written by our fave John Chris Felusi in 1994. Uh, you know Ren and Stimpy, right? There's an angry chihuahua. There's a stupid cat. So let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the title card and credits are on ruled paper a la Teen Girl Squad. 
<laughs> or or Dizzy Eat World. Um, words and names are misspelled, and the characters are in crayon. Uh, the yeah, cartoons. I, I especially like the spectacular misspelling of the word Bob as B A U G H. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little disappointed the cartoon doesn't look like that, though. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so the cartoon starts, and Stimpy is dutifully at work at the animation desk. Um, and this is Ren and Stimpy, and that means public domain music. So we start, <laughs> we start here with Dance of the Hours. Uh, you know the one like that goes like "Hello, Mara, Hello, Fada." Um, <laughs> funny enough, uh, this cartoon isn't on Paramount Plus because, for of all reasons, they actually have a track that has music rights problems. Oh no! Yeah, Manhattan Minuet apparently. Um, so anyway, there's a nice visual gag that sees Stimpy sharpen his pencil in his ear and then spew the shavings out of his mouth into the garbage pail. Um, hey, this, it's at this time that Ren approaches to ask what Stimpy is doing. And the cat proudly announces that he's making a cartoon just like his idol, the grandfather of animation, Wilbur Cobb. At first, Ren disparages his pal slash lover's interest. <laughs> uh, but Stimpy irrepress irrepressibly decides to keep at it anyway. Uh, Ren threatens that he's not going to help with the cartoon, but methinks he doth protest too much. There's two things that I like about this segment. Yes. One, when Stimpy talks about drawing the same picture over and over a thousand times per second, and yes. he pointedly holds up three fingers. Yeah, 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 that's cute. And two... All the things where Ren is like, what did I tell you about cartoons? And mm. all the things that Stimpy recites are exactly the things that Ren told him about the Muddy Mud Skipper show in the very first episode. Right. Huh. Boy, I'm not sure if Muddy Mud Skipper is a cartoon, though. I always thought they were filming him actually flopping around. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and then Stimpy goes to work for him. So right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, good memory though. Uh, so, actually, for all that though, Ren, uh, he does dearly want to be involved, and the fact that he lacks any talent drives him to tears. You know, he can't draw, he can't type, he can't even make a cup of coffee. So Stimpy appoints him the valueless position of cartoon producer. You know, and not having to do any real work, but claiming a disproportionate amount of credit suits Ren fine. It's been a while since I've watched Ren go mad, and it kind of feels <laughs> like going home. <laughs> uh, going back to the early 90s, at least. Yeah. So, uh, Stimpy slaves away at the animation and at the storyboards. And he's got like a sweater, cap, and apron getup. It must mirror some real-life figure at Spumco. <laughs> um, it's the animation studio that it was the producer of Ren and Stimpy. Um, anyway, while he works hard, Ren takes it easy. So there's like an emblematic moment. Uh, the contrast is Stimpy's lunch is a humble sandwich that squirts to pieces, while Ren dines on a whole swordfish. Yeah. Um, the dramatic moment of the montage is Ren chopping scenes of the storyboard and uh, uh, Stimpy goes through some Dickensian efforts 
really, really elevating the uh, struggles of making animation. And he has to pay mightily just to um, requisition a new pencil. And when he needs more paper, he's forced to delicately slice thin layers from a log to make do. Um, next, Stimpy must continue the rigors of registering each frame to camera, then editing the film. And his appearance and comportment becomes all the more haggard the further along the process he goes. But he takes inspiration from the picture of Wilbur Cobb. And he pushes through to complete the animation reel. Like a zombie, he presents the reel to a luxuriating producer Wren. So then, wearing their Sunday best, they show up to Wilbur Cobb's office to present the cartoon to him. This man is old, old, and plenty demented. <laughs> at, at the start, he's taking a phone call with a seashell, and everything he says to them afterward is utter nonsense. And during his gibbering, he name-drops Walter Lance, founder of Lance Productions, which made Woody Woodpecker cartoons. <laughs> and, you know, did I mention he's old? Because several times while he's speaking, parts of him tear or crumble off. He I, loses his... I did... Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I think you're about to well, say it. He loses his arms when he stands up from the desk. They remain attached to it. That um, might be my favorite gag in this whole cartoon. It just yeah. comes out of nowhere. None he of it permanent. Up and the arms stay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're he's, right he, back he, in the next shot. Yeah, yeah. But that's pretty standard for Ren Stimpy. Um, so uh, the cat and dog are at a loss as the man continues to tell crazy stories. At one point, he coughs out his own false teeth and they lodge in Ren's jaws. And he's forced to swallow them to avoid choking. Uh, finally, the three preview the cartoon in the theater. After excessive Ren Hoek producer credits, the uh, cartoon starts and it's titled I Like Pink and it stars Explody the Pup. The... Dog's dog girlfriend introduces herself as Poopy. She wants to kiss him, but he rejects her. Randomly, the two are then in an airplane, then they're in an igloo, then underwater. He delays the kiss 23 years, and the setting changes to the balmy tropical island of Montana. But wait! A villain bounces down the road on his lower body peg, and he menacingly giggles and rejoices that he is going to get them. Explodey notices, and the villain cycles the same springing animation and says the same thing. Comedy beats, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, Poopy worries, uh, worries aloud that it's Peg Pelvis Pete. And again, we see Pete bouncing and stating that he'll get a both of them. It's a take on Peg Leg Pete, yeah? Yeah, you would have to think. Yeah. This one's neither a dog nor cat nor bear, but distinctly a human. Yeah. Um... Explodey runs around in a panicked circle and then strikes himself with a hammer. That did it. What can Pete do but impotently watch from the window and concede that Explodey has won this time? Finally, it's time for that kiss between Poopy and Explodey. When it connects, Explodey delivers the promise of his name and blows up real good. It's the end of the cartoon within a cartoon. Cobb congratulates Stimpy and Wren on their show. Uh, the promise it holds could one day place them where Cobb is now, apparently behind bars, in prison. Yeah. With the uh, two pets in his lap, he sits 
in an electric chair and gleefully pulls the lever to fry himself and the two lap animals. All cuts to black, and that's the end. Hooray. Yay. Um, okay. I, I like this cartoon. I've never seen it before, this one. Mm. Um, it does feel very familiar. So the montage of Stimpy working hard at the animation parallels a funnier sequence from a better cartoon, Stimpy's Invention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many good gags in that one. This one's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, you don't learn that much about cartoons in <laughs> this thing. No, you don't. <laughs> Let's see. Jack Carter, he, he voices Wilbur Cobb. And I don't really know him, but when you see his face or hear his voice, you kind of do know him. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I neglected to look him up, actually. Yeah, he's not like a lot of credits, but like I said, look, look at um, look at Jack Carter the actor's face and you'd be like ah oh, yeah that guy and of course when you hear him doing Wilbur Cobb you kind of know him there too um let's see uh Google says what is Jack Carter famous for hmm uh was the host of the ABC show American Minstrels and then of Cavalcade of Stars on the short-lived Dumont Network <laughs> yeah like I said not much but yeah look at that face you know that guy um also, I guess you take a look at uh, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Chase is Poopy, also Angelica in Rugrats. <laughs> really small role for her here. Um, now, I read that there's speculation that the jokes about Ren being a terrible producer is based on the writer of this cartoon, John Chris Felusi. Hmm. So well. wiki claims. I mean, it's easy to dump on him now. <laughs> Yeah, but he, I am pretty sure that he was fired from the show by this point. Yes, because, yes. This is something he'd already written, presumably. Yeah, like his name doesn't show up in the credits. Well, I mean, it's, you know, created by John Kay or whatever, but like his name, yeah. like the credits at the opening don't list him as a writer. It isn't until the the end show credits way late that you actually see his name. And he is not voicing Ren. Billy no. West is doing both voices in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, I remember during my animation uh, voiceover classes, I, I never investigated how true this is, but uh, one of the mm -hmm. teachers once told me that John Chris Felusi had been fired from every show he had worked on. Not the Jetsons. Not the Smurfs. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I think he got hey. fired from uh, New Adventures of Mighty Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I I bet a bunch of his shows just didn't go anywhere. Hmm. Right. Like, well, oh, such no, as, but... yeah. yeah, such as the life of an animator, right? Um, well, when you're an animator as weird as John Chris Felusi is. Right. Well, as a result, we get Ren and Stimpy and we get this kind of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. Cool. I'll divorce the uh, the creator from the person. Yeah. The creation sure. from the person, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this is a pretty... I've always had an affection for this cartoon. I've, this has always been one of my favorite Ren and Stimpy's. I don't know why. I guess I just like the insanity of Wilbur Cobb. And Wilbur Cobb mm. shows up later from this point on. Like, not so hear, always yeah. as an animator, but it's like whenever they need an old guy. 
Wilbur mm. Cobb is the guy. Hmm. I don't know. You know, at the risk of being boring, I think my favorite Ren and Stimpy is Space Madness. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That one, I I won't blame you for that. Um, I'll mm. just uh, rage once again that that's one of the ones that was edited on the supposedly unedited oh, DVD okay. collection. Hmm. Uh, oh, that, well, it, it lives okay. uncut in my memories, so. Yes, it lives and cut in all our memories. And with that, uh, speaking of things living uncut in our memories, let's talk about the podcast. Mm. Next episode is episode number 100 of Animation Celery. Mm. And based on all the things that are going on right now, we've decided that that's probably the time to go out. So mm. next week will be the last episode of Animation Celery. And fittingly, we're going to be looking at uh, series finales. Uh, mm. I got one for you. I've I've had this one planned pretty much since the beginning. I didn't know when the podcast would end, but I knew that when it did, you, this is what I was going to give you. You have me at a disadvantage because I'm sure yours is great. And it is going <laughs> to well, we'll see. You'll see. Well, you might not like. You might not like this one very much. Okay. Um, because it's home movies. All right. Um, the final episode of home movies is called Focus Grill. Focus Grill. Home movies. Yeah. All right. Hmm. All right, Massey, for our finale podcast, the finale cartoon I have for you. I think you're old enough for this being one year younger than me. Um, okay. So I would like you to watch Johnny's Hibernation from the cartoon Fables of the Green Forest. The Green Forest. Yeah, you know that thing? That's that's what that cartoon is called. I've been, like, that cartoon, I've known of it, but I could yeah, never yeah. remember what the name of it was. Is it like Evergreen Forest? No, that's the raccoons. Like... <laughs> It's not like I've gone out of my way to search for it, but it's all every once in a while it pops up. It's like, what was that cartoon called? Well, you'll have to now. The final episode, Johnny's Hibernation. All right. Sounds good. So it isn't. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, if you only listen to one podcast, make sure it's this one, because um, that'll be it. And then mm. uh, continue to tweet at me, though, because I'll probably still be on Twitter. Um, I'll probably still be watching cartoons in some form. Um, I'll probably still be at AC Matsy. Mm. Yeah, and I'll keep my Twitter. I am at DrabSwatch. And, you know, maybe I'll channel my creativity into producing more than two pictures a year. So you can find me on the DeviantArt or, you know, post some pictures on there and link them. I, uh, I won't state the uh, address right here in case I uh, pull a John Chris Valusi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so next time the finale and now you know they're uh going fast get them while you still can on sale the celery stalker slogan if you want to be a genius it's easy all you gotta say is everything stinks then you're never wrong